Hello everyone, and we are back with more of the Pikmin Sculptia, our special Apocalypse Keys mini-series co-authored by two members of Queen's Court Games here on, here on Speculate. Um, when we last left off, the folks of the post office were at the post office putting together all of the details that they have already gained about the veiled gentleman after discovering that the gentleman that's supposed to be under the veil is not under the veil. At which point they thought that they all knew where the door of power was until Jane discovered a thing, acted on that information, and is about to face the consequences of acting on that information. Uh. So, Jane, you are torn between... Would you like to roll for that? Uh, so, uh, when you are torn between your monstrous nature and your human heart, make a choice. Either let your monstrous nature show and describe the damage your outburst caused, marking one ruin. You can describe how you diminish your power and conform to the pressures of humanity, losing all darkness tokens. Or you can spend a bond with someone to describe how they, directly or inadvertently, help you regain control. How many darkness tokens do you have at the moment? Nine. Uh, cool, that's grand. I and I need but, to shed them. I, I desperately need to shed them. Yeah, dropping all of those would be particularly valuable. And I, I think that it takes the form of we've leaned, we collectively as a team have leaned really hard on Jane's ability to grab memories, to borrow faces, to to do the thing that really Jane is the most afraid of. Uh, it, it's the reason that they are so adamant about knowing who you are, like structurally, like bones and skin, because when those things start to bleed, it gets weird. And having accumulated all of these, these stressors and memories, it's getting really noisy up there and it's getting really confusing to like separate what is actually John and what is this, this blender of other and with that number of darkness tokens, I feel like that manifests in like the conduit between Jane and the thing that they are meant to serve is is wide open. The the aperture of darkness, like cinematically behind, about to swallow, is a lot. So it's it's a choice to give up power because all those faces are faces that they can draw upon later. It's how we did this. It's what makes Jane useful. But the choice is between being useful and dangerous or being not useful. And in this case, there's just too much pain around for Jane to make any kind of help other people decision. Right now, all that matters is that he needs it out of them. So I will I will burn those nine darkness tokens to go back to zero. I think at this point, Jane is still in the visage of the pink dressed woman. And then just like light bulb wise, that snaps out. But with it, all the kind of like other specific face and, and memories that have been attached to those that pain those that emotional mess what face do you wear now after all of that is gone this is where the kind of mo the monstrous nature comes in a bit that we, we've essentially rebooted uh jane's chat gpt face generator so there's that moment where the the mask that we haven't had on for a while because of the need to do this stuff, uh, you see what's under it again. And the under is is nothing. It's not an empty hole. It is just blank. 
but not not like like a mannequin yes but also like it is blank in the way a canvas is blank in that it could be anything and your mind can wander and project different features into it in a way that is like kind of like like vertigo but uh emotional like uncanny valley vertigoness because you don't know what's there i think all of this happens you see it jane doesn't know what's happening until like everything kind of clears and they find a sense of themselves again and you see uh like the concentration for the gloves actually drops and they just kind of flop flop onto the ground as Dreen is scrambling for their pockets looking for the mask and like trying to put it back up onto their face amaliel picks up the gloves and tactfully looks away from the not face while also kind of peeking at the not face and when Jane comes back, Hamaliel gives um, his hands back, which is a very weird sentence to say now that I've actually said it, and says, you look the way this solar system looked when it started. That uh, is so clear because that was actually what was in my head, is like the feeling you get looking at John is the feeling you get looking up at the sky and not being able to comprehend how big the universe is. So it's really, really mm -hmm. cool that we're on the same page there. Mm -hmm. Jane is not that insightful and just kind of blinking into it and, and kind of swallowing that realization down, the weight of void and such. I don't think they articulate it, but you can probably see in the eyes that inadvertently Hamaliel has articulated the thing that like Jane is most aware and afraid of that like the infiniteness is like is the problem so it's like yeah I I do but like weighty and in a bad way nothingness I embrace you that was me not Hamaliel by the way okay you have that very intense emotional moment. It feels afterward, it feels very much physically like wind is rushing out of your head after you uh, have that moment of uh, emotional intensity before you recover. Like when your ears I pop the day after an airplane flight. Mm-hmm. But it pops and then you just hear loud noises rushing out of your ears instead of just the pop. And then after you finally come back to you, you remember everything that you have just learned. Your role for unlocking Doom's door was a perfect hit. What happens when you perfect hit on unlocking Doom's door? On an 8 through a 10, you have tracked down Doom's door. You know exactly where it is and how to unlock it. In addition, the Keeper will present an opportunity to protect what matters most take down the harbinger or otherwise drive back the apocalypse so you know this first well you you know this and have the capacity within the post office to get there immediately so you haven't really lost much time even though you are aware that the beatographs are headed in that direction immediately after leaving the hotel and you know just as much as whitney does is there anything I will give you the opportunity precisely because I need to present an opportunity to you. Is there a thing that you'd like me to offer you? Is there something that you'd like to know or act upon that gaining more information from me or allowing me to think about will, pre will present for you? I think two things inform this choice for me. I think one, 
Jane has just had a too long handshake with what lies at the end of their ruin track. And then two, Palmaliel had in, in an attempt to be to be sweet has actually made a, a like a reinforcing reminder of that. Because John is having this, wow, I am an empty void of destruction. And Hamaliel is like, you look like the empty void of destruction I'm from. <laughs> and like those things have hit together. So I don't think that like the opportunity to protect what matters most doesn't make sense to me because right now John doesn't want to have anything to protect, wants to be as far away from everything. The specific harbinger tied to the the, the Pikmin trophy is like, yes, attractive, but I think otherwise drive back the apocalypse because it's also Jane's apocalypse that they're worried about. So I think in this in this meta universe we've established, there are things trying to bleed their way into our world or to reshape the reality. And one of them is the, the veiled figure that belongs to this model. And the other is also Jane's stepdad. So I feel like there, if there's something that connects those two things or like a universal truth that applies to those, that is the direction that, that Jane would be trying to, to revelate in. Let's see if this works. I'm going to offer this essentially to the group because at this point, Jane has already presented this information to everyone. And I'm going to give everyone an opportunity to discuss in character or out of character and veto out of character but what stands to me is this. Jane, you're in a particular circumstance that is really interesting compared to the, ve the Veiled Gentleman. And interestingly, Tempo is as well. Where both of you have witnessed, especially during this case, the intense reality warping consequences of seeking beauty over truth of attempting to recreate or value false attractiveness in the face of dealing with what is genuinely there it stands to reason to both of you especially jane in this moment that especially because of what the darkness demands of you it is it is very frighteningly enticing and therefore obviously worth pushing back against that a part of you does in fact value seeking that beauty perhaps being able to settle on a version of that beauty such that you never have to worry about any of this again and for tempo a lot of that struggle is what you have witnessed of the world is in fact very spiritually ugly but you know that visually Beauty does not suppress that spiritual ugly. But you're reckoning with the fact that you live in a world where everybody else thinks that it does. And you and that's what, in your head, th those are the gears that are turning about why the Beatographs do what they do. That they think that this beauty is the same as goodness. And seeing what, making a rash decision like that, making a rash decision about what is uniquely good in the face of actual truth has done on Relayam. Maybe you don't want to do that or have other people do it. So that's, those are similar but di distinct thoughts that both of you are having in the moment that you learn where Doom's Door actually is. 
when you get there, you are consciously aware of the fact that some manner of the apocalypse will ask for both of you to answer the question, obviously with your bodies, of what is more valuable between beauty and truth in a way that will ask you to make a rash decision. You have no idea what that rash decision is yet, but it will, it will be called for you to do. Knowing that beforehand means that you have a choice. When you get there, do you want to know what's behind Doom's door or do you want to make sure that it cannot be opened? I'm just seeing the smile uh, <laughs> on your face. Yeah, podcast-wise, I'm like, oh, those are both so good. Sorry, people listening in audio medium, you cannot see me visually struggle with this. It is a but, very good visual struggle. The struggle is visual, friends. So do we, and this is like a kind of scene pitch. Is there some part of the scene or some shared understanding, po probably coming from Jane's like emotional antennae, where we have that prompt as a conversation? while or before things unfold so that it's in character and brandon does that moment go here or should it go later it happens in travel okay. but it's a matter of psychic feedback between jane and tempo as you go through ayer's door hmm. so it doesn't happen yet think process that moment before uh, before i give you the opportunity to actually role play it because as that's happening i'm like jane in that moment of like the awe of recovering from this state hamaliel you are looking at uh jane like still reeling from the actual experience but now briefly in awe of the discovery that they've just made and then Aya snaps his fingers. Is anyone gonna tell me what to do now, or... Jane, the last thing that you would have obviously let anybody know is that the, that the waitress was valuable. We haven't actually stated to anyone else where the door of power is. Oh, did I not? I thought... Sorry, I... No, you, I, were, I, still, you were still having a time, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been having a time for a good two and a half hours. And, and just for me, because I, I, Aaron says that it is in the diner attached mm -hmm. to the woman. So I don't want to... Okay. Then that's going to be really funny because Jane still having a time and thinking or assuming, I suppose, that they have just been blurting things out this whole time and that everybody else does know is... um like the kid who's daydreaming in class and just kind of assumes that someone else will answer. And then at some point looks up to find all four other people staring at them and is just kind of uh, blinking a minute and goes like the, the, with the waitress, the diner, as if this should be self-evident because they have all the information that you don't, they don't know they haven't shared it. Oh no, that's no good. We left that diner so long ago. Should have burned it down when we had the chance. Well, we'll have that chance. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, Sierra, no. So wait, why the, the diner is beautiful? No, no, the woman inside it. She is. was the only one who wasn't changed. Like oh. Jane, 
reflexively reaches for that face, but has just thrown it away and can't find it, so... We were right there. <laughs> okay, I'm... Uh, this makes no sense to me, but I'm gonna take you to the diner. Don't make a mess. He already starts opening a door to the diner. Um, the door of the post office is now aflame. If you uh, open it, it will take you to the diner immediately. Seeing as Hamaliel and Ciara seem to have narratively established themselves as the chaos causers of this team, Hamaliel grabs uh, Ciara's hand and like runs through the door because Hamaliel's just thinking, we need to get to the diner and the mm. waitress lady. Yeah, we're, sure we, we, we don't know. We don't understand the full full breadth of everything. It's like, no. okay, it's at the diner with the waitress who wasn't changed. Yeah, and that CR didn't burn down and that we can now burn down again and that I smashed the double doors to with the limo door. We need to get there. We have no idea what you're we're yelling about. Let's go. Yep. I don't know how long this process takes, but I want to pitch that, like, Tempo, I'm assuming as Team Dad, is making sure everyone has used the bathroom and packed their things before we all go through the door. So Sierra and Hamaliel tear off, and then John is supposed to be next in line, but instead is waiting and, like, kind of making a really thoughtful eye contact for, like, a really good pregnant second. And then, uh, with your consent, Mike, I would like to use You Can't Hide Your Heart From Me to deep so uh, you are sensitive to the surface thoughts and strongest feelings of those around you when you deepen your senses spend darkness tokens and roll because jane knows what's going on with sierra and hamaliel uh they are fairly transparent but the disappointment from the first thing has happened and then also like sierra and hamaliel have understood and recognized like what jane is but this is like, you have now had time to process it. And before we go once more into the breach, my friend, John wants to know how Tempo feels about him. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Go for it. I don't have any darkness tokens, so I will just roll. I have rolled poorly again. Mm -hmm. That was a for those though. listening. Hmm? You still have other bonds, though, so you can turn this miss, this six, into any other number you want. It just depends on if you want to do it in uh, factors of one or factors of three. Right. Yeah. I think I have that, that point with Hamaliel, and this will be a lesson learned, because there's one thing that Jane is really, really bad about, and that is communicating anything that is emotionally complicated. And there are lots of different ways to solve that problem. And Hamaliel's favorite way is to be direct, blunt, and use as few words with as few syllables as possible. So Jane channels Hamaliel's verbal T-pose <laughs> to just cut straight to the core of the thing. And like you see, like, like if it if like if it's a movie, like you see like the moment where you're just gonna like work up to the big speech and be like tempo. I know we're new with it, but instead it's just like, do you think I'm a fuck up? Or like just something like really straightforward cut to the point, mm -hmm. which would turn it into a nine. And I get to ask two. I want the options to be, what do you wish would happen? And how can I make you trust me? Because mm. I think both of those can get us to the, right. the thing. Yeah. Ooh. And so this is about 
the, the thoughts and feelings beneath the surface. So what I'm going to pitch is that Jane finds himself inside kind of Tempo's emotional, like, uh, it's like, what if a mind palace was more feelingsy? And because it's temporal, like because there's all this time magic, it's very timey-wimey and that like the things that you see, you use 3D glasses to see, there's stuff that's like slightly offset. And so you adjust and you can see basically through time. And the thing that, uh, that John is seeing as they kind of look around within this space is ruin and then little oases of joyful memories that have been like mentally reassembled and glued back together, rewound to a moment. Um, I'm reminded of the film Inside Out, where there's a late, uh, late revelation that important joyful memories flow from sad memories and that you have to go through the emotion before you can kind of reach the thing beyond and that for tempo in this moment they are trying to console themselves with the notion that all of these apocalypses that have come before are not final for everything that you can have a personal apocalypse, you can have a social apocalypse, but memory persists, and that as long as people keep moving forward and keep trying to protect one another, that it's not the the final ending. And so what Tempo wishes would happen, wants to happen, is that this is a downswing but it is not the end, period, close the book, set it on fire. Tempo is kind of like looking into the future, imagining possible futures, and a number of them play out very poorly. You know, in this version, Hamaliel destroys the entire, the entire diner, but it cracks open the earth and apocalypse happens. In this next version, Sierra is fighting the Harbinger and having to draw more deeply, more deeply, more deeply on her power and consumes herself in the flame and Tempo is helpless to stop it. And then in another version, the similar desperation comes for uh, com comes for John. Hamaliel is knocked out of time. Ciara is consumed, but it's not enough tempo reaches too deeply into the past and gets swallowed by it and so it's just jane and panicked the whole room the whole town and then the whole country becomes puppets and jane can tell in that moment that tempo will trust john and will continue to trust jane as long as they know that jane has hope I think then the the response to that, and this answers the question of truth uh, and beauty, is born of false hope. That the the beauty version here is is the lie. The truth for tempo is that 
the world they want is never coming back. And as the the beauty version of that would be I can I can use all the might of the time in the cosmos to fix that and I can make all the struggles right one by one by one. But that's gonna create the idealized version that Tempo remembers. It's the version that Tempo remembers that has already that, that excludes the worst parts or even the banal parts. The only way that we can be hopeful is to have a true understanding of our place in the world and the future. Because like in John's case, they can be beautiful. They have to take from people. They can make the world beautiful in a cataclysmic way. And it's only by accepting our truths, both the pretty ones and the ugly ones, that we have the moral clarity and then the full ability to make the decisions that lead us to good places. We can't just polish up the mirror and chase that because that's the delusion that leads you into the abyss. I don't know how John says that in a Hamaliel quip, but... <laughs> um, but... I mean, you could say, wow. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the shoulder pat message that that goes and if it's okay as they step through tempo kind of knowing that they've they've shared you know some some good but not maybe complete ma measure of their emotion says do not forget the life you have lived for that is yours it is not anyone else's it is you you are your memories and your actions, not just what you take, willing or unwilling, from others. You have a self. I think all you can see is uh, like the mask kind of shifts up on the chin, and you can tell that Jane is smiling just by the kind of way that it tilts a little bit. And then a very sarcastic but on brand glove salute with two fingers and then john goes to the door hell yeah before that happens in this moment as you're both settling in this mind palace space as you're both dwelling here very briefly both of you cross over idly into a memory it's the same memory. Jane, this is the first time that you may have ever seen or witnessed anything of Tempo's home planet that was not relayed to you elsewhere. Both of you share this like disembodied sight of Tempo's matriarch. When this 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 memory is far older when Tempo was younger. It's technically not something Tempo was even aware of. Although, like, there are vagaries of this experience that you may have heard a rumor about or had a conversation with your matriarch about when you got older. In the early days of, like, the industrial establishment of this world, your mother made was informed politically of a scientific discovery 
that had the capacity to potentially like fast forward the development of this place to a point as far beyond even some of the like vast powers of the world that you had already witnessed before it had fallen apart but was deeply worried that even though it was not a weapon and was not designed in a way to be incredibly dangerous that at any point someone would exploit it in a way that would be volatile as a result they and a handful of other people who shared the information with them in the first place are the mm-hmm. only people who knew that, that that it ever existed. And you, like, witness them processing this briefly in, like, their office in your home. Like, all of the devastating ways that this would potentially ruin the world around them. And all of those things, based on, like, the chemical reactions of that object are, like, manifest as sketches in their mind of people turning into gold statues. And it immediately strikes you, Tempo, as this extreme, jarring version of what you saw happen during the Noise War. And, Jane, it strikes you as this vastly, visually intense version what was already happening in the diner before you all left. And then you all get jarred out of that vision just after having that conversation. And may now continue to proceed to the diner as you wish. Uh, I, I think since we had this moment, the only correct thing is a cutaway to whatever terror has been unleashed inside the diner. Yep. <laughs> I imagine the doors that I busted have not been replaced. So... Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> the doors are gone. I think some shit happened to the windows of the diner as well. I think mm. I can't recall if something was on fire. Nothing was on fire. I did almost brain someone with a plate. Right, yes, that did in fact mm. cool. One of my um, angel arms actually came out and did some things. <laughs> it's been a while, so you can't really figure out, but all of you get the like that vaguely creepy spine-tingling sense that many of the people who were in the diner when you were previously here have since shifted idly in one direction or another in the direction that they were facing. A police officer has now joined them and is now also frozen. He's not frozen in what seems to be a physical state of ecstasy. He is obviously frightened, but but he is frozen because somebody has successfully touched him. The waitress is now wrapped up in what seems to be a cocoon of pink silk. Uh Uh-oh. That definitely seems to be a problem. That's not just one motif. That's like two whole visual motifs. We are in huge trouble here. Mm Mm-hmm. Jane, it strikes you almost as a side thought that if the waitress is the door of power you have to go through the cocoon to go through it i'm not gonna lie that sounds gross as hell (laughs) um how uh chronologically how how soon after uh and sierra do the other two of us arrive the conversation that you have mentally takes quite a while but you go through the door a matter of seconds okay 
So then I guess my question is, uh, uh, Ciara and Hamaliel, you, you were in there first. You see all this. What, what have you done? Like, what, essentially, what do Tempo and I walk in on? <laughs> well, you see, neither of you were in the house, and we panicked. So, um... I, don't, I don't think anything is lit. Ciara may be slightly on fire. Uh, like, you're fires wreathed her hands, but the diner itself is not on fire yet, because it's like, uh, is it one of those things where if I burn the thing, it opens the door? Mm, someone said something about that once. <laughs> or is it, or is it destroying the thing? Will definitely close the door forever. Mm, and I'm stuck between these two things of about just be like, no. Yes, I like to think that when the two of you walk in, you just hear Hamaliel piping up. I think you should burn the cocoon. I mean, are we sure that this, like, I, I, I'm, I'm never one to be the voice of reason, but I did just get yelled at, and I don't want to get yelled at again. I concur, Sierra. So burning? Wait. <laughs> oh, I, you concur in that direction. I apologize. I misunderstood. I took <laughs> your comment as caution. Uh, John glove hands clap together in front of him. So, what do we have here? Really fucking creepy cocoon. Is Reminds that like peering down into it? Because it's when you said cocoon, I'm imagining chitinous, but also pink, like unmistakably it, pink. Just thinking of the the cocoons, the the can cotton candy cocoons from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It is a cocoon. Like you look at it and you notice, like it's doing some of the things that you'd imagine a very large cocoon from like a very large insect-like creature would be like it looks like slick with some kind of oil or grease or liquid but otherwise it looks like it's constructed of very fine very well woven individual strings of something silk soft and just a little bit glittery it looks like the cross between an ordinary insect cocoon and if someone had just been wrapped up in a lot of thread. So I can a lot tell of very that. fine, very expensive thread. And we can tell that it is the waitress. You can tell from the wa from the place that it is that if nothing in this space moved, that's the waitress having never actually shifted from that spot at all. I touch it. It feels like something very fine and very expensive is underneath something very oily. I don't know if I've had enough life experience to know what that means. More I writers. start None ripping open the that. cocoon. Hamaliel? Yes. I have a prophecy about me. I don't die today. Unleash the dog for me, please. <laughs> 